Welcome to Prism Bible, where we learn the Bible so we can live the story. God has a part for each of us to play, and to understand our purpose, we need to grasp the big, beautiful story that's unfolding in history. Join us today as we meet the prophet Daniel in exile. The Babylonian king has a dream before Daniel himself sees visions of fearsome beasts. You're listening to Prism Bible. The tribes are in exile in a foreign land. Disobeying God over and over again despite His amazing deliverance finally resulted in judgment. They would now be foreigners in a foreign land, the land of Babylon. It took a few decades as the Babylonians progressively conquered the kingdom of Judah, and through this time the people of Judah were continually relocated. Many were shipped to cities in and around Babylon to resettle. And as was common in those days, when an empire conquered a territory, they would often relocate the conquered peoples to decrease chances of a regional rebellion. Empires were concerned with cultural assimilation too, and they wanted the conquered people to forget their native cultures, to adopt the new culture of their imperial overlords. For much of the kingdom of Judah this was the case, as they were removed from the land of Canaan, that land long ago promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Among these exiles is a prophet named Daniel, a young man elevated by the king of Babylon to an advisory position. Daniel is elevated by King Nebuchadnezzar along with his three other Jewish friends, and while the men are encouraged many times to disobey God, they remain steadfast. God blesses them and delivers them from many attempts on their lives as they walk the halls of power in this hostile nation. Through all this diversity, Daniel becomes a wonderful picture for us of what faithfulness to God looks like when living in a foreign land. The customs may be different, the diet may be different, the cultural gods may be different, but faithfulness looks like following the true God, no matter the cost not bowing the knee despite the pressure of the new surroundings and new culture. Now, God doesn't merely preserve Daniel, but through Daniel, he expresses an amazing hope to a nation that would bring them through the 70 years of exile and beyond. Through Daniel, God reveals significant events about to unfold, and he reveals more of his plan for the whole world. The future can be an anxiety-producing concept to us, but not to God. He sees the end from the beginning, and he can see every way that he's working out his plans to weave the beautiful story of salvation together. It's a gift to us that every now and then, God shows us a view into the future, and we see one of these views through the prophet Daniel. Prophecy is often an obscure language, but we can learn a lot from it despite what can seem odd on first reading. A good example of this is the vision of King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. He has a dream involving a big statue, and in his dream he sees the statue with a gold head, chest and arms of silver, middle and thighs of bronze, legs of iron, and feet partly of iron and partly of clay. This statue is then destroyed by a stone before the wind carries away all the materials leaving just the stone. Finally, the stone becomes a mountain that fills the whole earth. It's quite an odd dream, 
and King Nebuchadnezzar senses it has importance beyond his other dreams. He soon seeks an interpretation in an effort to understand. It's Daniel, with God's help, who finally interprets this dream for the king of Babylon. Daniel says this to Nebuchadnezzar, You, O king, are the head of gold, but after you there will arise another kingdom inferior to yours. Next a third kingdom, one of bronze, will rule the whole earth. Finally, there will be a fourth kingdom as strong as iron, for iron shatters and crushes all things. And like iron that crushes all things, it will shatter and crush all the others. And just as you saw that the feet and toes were made partly of fired clay and partly of iron, so this will be a divided kingdom. Yet some of the strength of iron will be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with the clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly clay, so this kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle. As you saw the iron mixed with clay, so the peoples will mix with one another, but will not hold together any more than iron mixes with clay. In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up another kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will shatter all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, but will itself stand forever. The interpretation provides us some very interesting information about the future. Apparently, when Daniel said this, he was looking at the Babylonian kingdom, followed by a silver kingdom, a bronze kingdom, and an iron kingdom that's somehow divided and mixed with clay. Each of these is finally destroyed by God's kingdom of stone. Five kingdoms, four on the statue starting with Babylon, with the fifth being the kingdom of God that destroys all the other kingdoms. Daniel has provided the interpretation, and needless to say, Nebuchadnezzar is impressed with his Jewish interpreter. He promotes Daniel further as he gives glory to the God of Daniel for knowing the interpretation of the dream. God has told the future, and he's told it through his prophet Daniel. It's after many more years of exile for Judah that Daniel himself ends up having a dream that's related to this statue dream of the king. But Daniel's dream isn't a statue. Instead, his dream is about beasts. Daniel sees four beasts coming up out of the sea. One is like a lion with eagle's wings. The second is like a bear. The third is like a leopard with four wings on its back. And the fourth is a beast with ten horns and iron teeth. Further, during the vision of the fourth beast, one horn ends up having the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking great things. Then suddenly, without warning, the dream shifts. Suddenly there are thrones and fire, and one called the Ancient of Days who takes his seat and then swiftly defeats this final beast. Finally, Daniel says that he saw one like the Son of Man, given dominion and glory in a kingdom that all nations and languages should serve him, and his kingdom shall not be destroyed. Now, it's easy to be confused by all of this. Four beasts, ten horns, and a little horn. The Ancient of Days and one like the Son of Man. All the language is so obscure that it can be a little discouraging if we stop here. But that would be a mistake, because we'd miss the interpretation of Daniel's dream, too. He's just as puzzled as we are until an angel from God tells him what it all means. Daniel says this in first person, I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit, and the visions in my mind alarmed me. 
I approached one of the angels who were standing there, and I asked him the true meaning of all this. So he told me the interpretation of these things. These four great beasts are four kings who will rise from the earth. But the saints of the Most High will receive the kingdom and possess it forever, yes, forever and ever. Then I wanted to know the true meaning of the fourth beast, which was different from all the others, extremely terrifying, devouring and crushing with iron teeth and bronze claws, then trampling underfoot whatever was left. I also wanted to know about the ten horns on its head and the other horn that came up, before which three of them fell, the horn whose appearance was more opposing than the others, with eyes and with a mouth that spoke words of arrogance. As I watched, this horn was waging war against the saints and prevailing against them until the Ancient of Days arrived and pronounced judgment in favor of the saints of the Most High. And the time came for them to possess the kingdom. This is what the angel said. The fourth beast is a fourth kingdom that will appear on the earth, different from all the other kingdoms, and it will devour the whole earth, trample it down and crush it. And the ten horns are ten kings who will rise from this kingdom. After them another king, different from the earlier ones, will rise and subdue three kings. He will speak out against the Most High and oppress the saints of the Most High, intending to change the appointed times and laws, and the saints will be given into his hand for a time, and times, and half a time. But the court will convene, and his dominion will be taken away and completely destroyed forever. Then the sovereignty dominion and greatness of the kingdoms under all of heaven will be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all rulers will serve and obey Him. Now the explanation here may not be as detailed as we hope, but it helps us understand what the beasts represent, what the horns represent, and other tidbits to help us piece things together. Both Nebuchadnezzar's dream and Daniel's dream help us understand the future of the world from Daniel's standpoint at around 580 BC. We know from these visions that starting with Babylon, there will be four kingdoms followed by a fifth, the fifth being the kingdom of God that destroys the kingdoms of this world. Further, the kingdoms referenced here can be identified retrospectively as they've appeared in history. The first kingdom is the Babylonian Empire followed by the second kingdom, the Medo-Persian Empire, which is followed by the third kingdom, the Greek Empire. And the Greeks famously conquered the world led by Alexander the Great, before the fourth empire, the Romans, defeat the Greeks, just before our calendar switches from B.C. to A.D. Through the dreams of Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel, they saw the future of the world, mostly near future, but some far, far into the future, even past where we are today. These visions express remarkable details concerning kingdoms that would follow after Daniel. So much detail that the kingdom's characteristics are readily identifiable in history. Through the prophet, God is giving a preview of what's to come for the world. For a hopeless nation in exile, God is giving hope. God's kingdom would be supreme in the end but there would be major epics in world history before that would take place. God is and always has been king, but it will be after these four kingdoms that he will truly assert his rule. For a time, God grants sovereignty to these four kingdoms, but eventually, God will rule the earth directly, removing all other powers. 
But what about the fifth kingdom, God's kingdom? Since in the present we're way past the Roman Empire, are we living in the kingdom of God right now? Are we still waiting on the kingdom? Join us next time as we explore the kingdom of God, what it is, and when it is. Don't forget to download the Prism Bible app, our mobile app to help you learn the Bible. In addition to this podcast content, we have Bible readings, summaries, and quiz questions on the app to help you get the most out of every lesson. Prism Bible is a project of the Bible Literacy Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to helping you learn the Bible.